very warm welcome to all my listeners who have tuned in to listen to another episode of Insider's Talk with New Entrepreneurial Journey. So let's dive in. India has always been an advocate of education and the system has been extremely rigorous uh, in our country to make sure that we all are educated because that is the, one of the most important aspect of every day-to-day person's life to see their children getting proper education no matter what. And due to that reason, we see a lot of edtech companies coming into India because the opportunity is huge. There's a huge market here because every single parent, no matter from which economic background they come from, they do want their kids to get the best in whatever way they can. And technology is playing a huge role in disrupting the market. And that is what where Edukemi comes into the picture. It is the first non-STEM focused edtech startup in India. And it's striving to offer an immersive and personalized learning experience through an industry-leading AI-based evaluation system. We would be learning more about that in detail, which is extremely interesting, I'm pretty sure, to our listeners. But before that, I would like to welcome the co-founder and CEO of Edukemi, Mr. Chandrahas. Thank you for giving your time to Insider's Talk and coming on our show but before we, you know, dive into Edukemi and what concept went behind it, what idea led to it, it would be great to, for our listeners also to understand what were you doing before Edukemi came into your life? Hey, thanks, Veronica. Uh, thanks for the opportunity. You know, before Edukemi, I was pretty much a professional, a marketing, marketing and a business professional working for about two decades in the PC industry. Uh, worked for companies like Hewlett Packard, AMD, and Acer in various roles, including leadership roles, etc. My last profile used to be the chief marketing officer and the business head, head of Acer India. Uh, I, along with two of my uh, classmates, I mean, we are all classmates from engineering days. Our friendship goes 30 years back. My second co-founder is Shabir. Shabir is uh, basically an educator who have been preparing uh, students and aspirants for test prep. And he was involved with Vajiram and uh, Ravi, which is India's largest UPSC UPS prep uh, platform in, at the, based on Delhi. He was there for about two decades, specializing in geography and essays. My third co-founder, Dave, basically is a technocrat with over two decades plus of experience. He was basically, his last profile was the MD of Accenture. And he has got two patents in his name in software engineering. So I think all three of us, each of us having spent two decades plus in our respective uh, you know, uh, jobs, we come back from three diverse backgrounds, which is business, education, and technology. And therefore, we were thinking what, what we need to do. We were pretty much settled in our jobs. We had our senior ranks, positions, everything going for us. But something was missing, we always felt. And one of the things that was, what was missing as what we thought is, what is the impact to the community or the society as a whole we were making or we can make versus what we are doing right now? We wanted to pick up a fundamental and a deep problem that plagues the society. 
Shabir, with his, uh, you know, with his test prep experience, spoke about problems and learning specifically in the test prep and at tech, which is largely, you know, the issues were largely like low quality of content, even reaching out to the right people who want to prepare for this, people getting standard recipes to prepare, not necessarily a personalized recipes. I think these were the large problems that we were thinking and we thought that we could use tech, we can use the potential ways of marketing and business to reach out to this set of people and give them an opportunity to pursue their dreams of their own. So that's how we formed Edukemi 18 months back. That's interesting. I mean, Edukemi came in the pandemic time, almost like a pandemic time, right? Yes. That's that's quite interesting. And and the thing is, uh, what you said was all three of you come from a different background. So you had different things to put in together to yes. uh, form the recipe of Edukemi. And you understood that the first pain area that you really would like to address is education in India, because that's a huge market right now uh, when it comes to edtech. So was there any any kind of like, you know, you all, already told me that your co-founder Shabir was already into the learning sector. And probably had an in-depth understanding of where we lack um, in the education system. Was it the that was that the only deciding factor for you all to come together and start an edtech company? Or was there any other kind of incidents that happened uh, which led to Edukemi? Yes, there were multiple. So I think definitely two things. One was his experience, Shabu's experience. Secondly, we, we looked at a bunch of edtechs that were there way back in 2019-20 and what were they offering. We figured out that most of the edtech were tech first and uh, followed by pedagogy. And we thought that, you know, if you're looking at an education platform, pedagogy is the most important thing. Quality pedagogy leading to an effective learner outcome or effective results, as we call this, is a recipe for success. So we reversed it. We said, no, pedagogy comes first, followed by tech. So therefore, even if the products that we were building were around the pedagogy first and tech was built around that. So therefore, we could create a much more deeper and a curated pedagogy for the learners. The second principle that we look at, and this is the principle that we looked at is, what do the aspirants look for? What are the current problems? So we realized two problems, what to learn and how to learn was definitely one of the two problems they were facing. Like in any physical centers, they were kind of thrown up with a lot of uh, uh, content to read from or books to read from. Whenever they used to go to a platform, they had a lot of you know, videos to be thrown, you know, thrown at them. But what they did not get is a curated view of it. So we looked at what does a learner look at, look for. So we look. So therefore, our thesis has been that we will be in our DNA a learner-first platform, mm-hmm. where pedagogy comes ahead of tech, or if you put it the other way, ed before the ed tech is what we thought, and that's how we came up with this idea. I think that is uh, one of your uh, USP that sets you apart, right? And it answers my question that, you know, what sets you apart from other edtech? It's because you're keeping the learners first rather than uh, putting a lot of stress on the technology and uh, not not trying to assess what actually the learners need, the individual learner. 
Now, um, if you can just uh, brief out more in detail what Edukemi has to offer to the learners, as well as um, people who are aspiring uh, to become, you know, um, like, you know, like guides uh, for uh, students to get into proper colleges through the different competitive exams. So what kind of opportunities you have for both of them through Edukemi? First was we looked at the entire ecosystem. So we looked at the supply side of the teachers who were teaching, right? Now, were they trained enough to keep the students excited in the class in a digital platform? That was one problem that we looked at. So to be built what we call as an incubation center for the teachers. And that's where we actually train all our teachers, all our faculties, educators, before they go live in the class. Second problem was that content was being thrown at them from dime a dozen, right? So we looked at it and we said, hey, why can't we curate the content for a particular learner? Tech is a big enabler. This is where the tech comes in. And we said that tech using the latest uh, artificial intelligence and ML kind of a thing, tech therefore was a big enabler in terms of, uh, how would I call it? in getting the content curated on an automated scale and, and tech can do it. Mm. That's precisely what we set up, started to do that. The third thing was wherever you go, everyone gets a very standard one size fits all recipe. We said, no, if we really want to make a difference, then our model should not be one size fits all. It should be rather one size fits one, which means every learner has its own adaptive way of learning, has its own pace of learning, has its own pace of uh, you know, understanding and comprehending before being a, you know, successful uh, in any of the test preps. So we used what we call as a personalization uh, platform. So we converted our platform to a deep personalization platform mm -hmm. where we are able to personalize each and every learner to their level of competency, to the level of the learning KPIs they have, and therefore arrive at a personalized using a scorecard. And even while assessing learners, what we also do is we do a pre-assessment of learners and understand that what kind of learner he or she is. Mm -hmm. And therefore what we did was that we kind of built platform which can also evaluate the learner's KPI, their competencies on various aspects. And then what kind of learner is he? Is he a, uh, you know, is he a hacker, which means he wants to learn through shortcut? Is he a, a structured learner, which means you need to give him more structured courses? Does he learn well in groups, so and so forth? Mm -hmm. So we had a very deeper understanding of aspirants and learners. And using tech, we started solving each of them. So that is one. Then we also built in what we called as a, some, of the, uh, some of the diagnostic tools or the uh, evaluation platform, whether it's subjective or objective. Objective is largely MCQ-led. We started building out the platform and we, have, and we believe we have got unique solutions and we have applied for respective patents for that. And once we get it uh, successfully done, we would have actually uh, our platform would be very, very unique compared to others in terms of giving an assessment. We also looked at a deeper engagement of a learner in a class. We realized that every student 
when he is being taught in a class he cannot be taught for 2 hours at a at a stretch he needs to come with few breaks every 15 20 minutes the the students are allowed to ask questions and the educators are able to respond to them we looked at the post class engagement even if the class is over we also give them content to to consume post class as well so therefore we wanted to complete the entire learner journey the learning experience by using this uh, model of two teachers one teacher teaching one teacher following up for the post class evaluation etc mm-hmm. so short this is what uh, we are doing therefore you can see that we are talking a lot about pedagogy tech tools obviously right. you have all the tools that we have to do it and with this one good thing that has happened to us is that we are we have a lot of referral revenue that come to us so people who learn from us they refer us mm-hmm. and about 15 to 18% of our revenues are referral revenues which we do, which you don't have to spend money to acquire them we also i mean the results are there our first batch of uh, upsc that we trained them during the covid days and that when the results were out about 51 of them qualified in upsc in various positions whether it's wow. police service the uh, administrative service or the revenue services so we get 51 of them qualifying for them and our success rates if you look at the market we are about 10 to 12 times the market success rates right now mhm that is definitely an achievement i would say that's that's huge numbers uh so like you know like it's clearly understood that edukemi is into you know customizing the learning uh based on how the individual wants to learn like you just now described it and it all happens uh, based on the pre assessment that you do and obviously uh during the course of time the different assessments that you do so how do, do you think important is for uh, especially in when it comes to online learning what kind of challenges do you face while assessing because everything is based on tech right so what kind of challenges did you face to ensure that the assessment is done on the right rules that you want to set it see first of all uh, effective learning if it doesn't have a assessment or evaluation is not effective enough Mm-hmm. every evaluation that we do it actually helps in building an educational program which assesses its achievement and improve upon the effectiveness of the program that we are administering right if people come to us and they do not improve their scores by x percentage mm-hmm. x, x is relative to the kind of people and each of them do not get a personalized attention and at a scale which means we use tech to do at scale right when right. multiple people coming and doing it we believe that education will not be successful i mean evaluations and feedback is something like giving a shape to a raw clay mm. and building the pottery right where you can mm-hmm. shape the direction thus providing a fruitful and a constructive effective feedback is important which is where our usp is there it's also and that starts from the journey of the customer understanding from the first stage where what kind of learner is he how what are his competencies how do we use those data points how do we use his effective learning methods how do we use our diagnostic tools together in shaping a personalized pedagogy a, a personalized uh, attention to them 
Yes, exactly. Because uh, many people don't take the assessments quite uh, seriously because they feel it is just a kind of, uh, you know, like uh, just to just to figure out and all and the way to get into an online course. So they do the pre-assessment just for the heck of it. So mm -hmm. I wanted to raise the questions because people need to understand that these are the assessments that are going to help them to understand what their weaknesses and strengths are when it comes to any subject that they're looking for or any kind of a competitive exam that they want to go because weaknesses are the places where you would, they would have to put a lot of, um, you know, uh, a lot of work into. And I think AI is a platform which can help to identify those weaknesses in a much better way uh, rather than a conventional classroom where the teacher has to deal with around 40 to 50 students at once. I agree with you. And this is absolutely what Dev and Shabir have been very, very, they have been very, very paranoid about. Yeah. About the assessments, about getting an effective education, therefore building a platform or evaluation platform based on the, uh, on a continuous improvement and a continuous engagement journey. Mm -hmm. And also how do we personalize it? You know, many people don't Correct. want their assessments to be made public. So, right. So we kind of personalize it and it's not a public data, hmm. for sure. It's only between the between the student and the company, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the teacher, not the company, I would say, and the teacher. Mm -hmm. And therefore, we're able to kind of sharpen our delivery to that extent. Right. And it, it also gives, it, it gives a comfort blanket for the student as well, right? Because some people shy away when it comes to these yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not very confident. Absolutely. See, we have all these tutorial classes, right? Right. We have the test series, we have the tutorial classes, we have got sashes, we have got subscription, we have got coming up with subscriptions. So all of these things are effective if and only if the student knows where he is in the journey, mm -hmm. what he needs to do going forward, how does he rank versus his peers, and does he know that what does it take for him to qualify? For example, True. our assessment tools also tells him what does a if what does a uh, what does a continuous evaluation in terms of assessments or a score look like if he has to become a successful learner? And we have successful learners on the platforms, right? Right. So we know how the journey has been, and therefore, what is the potential way we can leverage some of those data points to do it? So I think that's precisely what we are. Uh, that's what Dave and Shavi mm -hmm. have been paranoid about. So like, you know, um, obviously the students are digitally uh, or technically quite um, aware nowadays. It's not something which is quite uh, uh, alien to them. But when it comes to educators, there are many educators who still struggle yes. uh, to come onto the digital platform. And especially during this pandemic time, we have seen or I have because I'm a mother, I've personally experienced uh, like, you know, my kids struggling because the teachers were struggling. Uh, to handle the class or to deliver online because they've never done it. So how were you? How are you able to, you know, uh, fill up those gaps when it comes to educators? Because yours is an online platform, so the yes. educators need to be well aware and they need to have that thing in them because online training or online classroom is a different ball game altogether. It's yes. not like a normal classroom where you physically go in and know that, you know, the students are looking at you. You need to be more attentive. You need to be more uh, vigilant what the student is doing to make sure that they are paying attention. So how do you train your educators and how do you probably give them the direction 
on uh, getting their uh, classrooms or their uh, you know um, the classes done properly online in fact at our core uh, i would say culture of the company one of the things that we have focused on is train the trainer so we have a very very effective teacher teaching incubator model right or a faculty or a educator incubation model mm-hmm. this model actually trains the teachers or the educators both at soft skills level and at hard skills level both both skills mm-hmm. it also trains them as to how to how to keep the uh, uh, student uh, engagement at higher levels right so that people uh, kind of are engaged throughout the class fortunately we are in k12 plus which is higher education space right space where students are little more uh, receptive to all of this and they understand this and this entire uh, incubator model is actually built by experts and uh, who have got a uh, lot of experience in psychology you know in hr not hr i would say psychology training etc mm-hmm. and who actually teach them as to how to face a camera as simple as that right when to talk to camera right yeah now and at what stage to engage with a with a particular child and each of them conduct about a two batches each over 100 120 plus 150 plus actually then 150 plus how do you, and you have a and you have a two hour session and how do you effectively engage them and post the class how does the uh, you know assistant faculty kind of follows up with them so mm-hmm. we give it all the best we give them uh, all the follow through and many stu- and we have got very very good response from our students in fact if you look at some of the words that uh, some of the successful candidates and not so successful candidates have about told about us mm-hmm. they have been very very appreciative of this and and i believe that building a brand in edtech is not about you know acquiring people through marketing sure. but first but first getting the pedagogy which is a product in place getting the right tech to support the pedagogy mm-hmm. and most importantly building a lot of customer love as i call it mm-hmm. and all of this is what we are focused on in building a very comprehensive uh, platform which is organically you know uh, viral more mm-hmm. than making it artificially viral so that's that's how we have gone about it Mm-hmm. This is very interesting that you you know you ended your uh, uh, this talk on like you know it's first edutech is all about building the product the technology behind it and obviously uh, like you said the clients or the customers or in your case it's the students uh, mm-hmm. who want to come in and you know prepare themselves for the competitive exams so you know how how were you able to achieve your uh, first particular set of batch Uh, when you launched into the market was there any kind of uh, um, or probably because uh, shabir is already into the uh, learning yes. so it became a little easier to get people yes uh, yes first, yes yes the first two three batches were a little easier because one is was pandemic people were right. looking for uh, you know digital delivery shabir had its uh, shabir has his own uh, reputation Uh, but you know what what happened is subsequent to that we are now running about maybe about 60 70 odd batches are on returning the subsequent batches came up with word of mouth mm-hmm. came up through our innovative products that we did right mm-hmm. which actually were solving each and every customers how do i call it the pain points right right 
then the results came in you know what happened is first was the prelims exams of upsc mm-hmm. we had about 35% last year we had about 35% hit rate in the prelims because our pedagogy was very sharp this year in prelims we had 50% of the questions that came in we were already kind of taught or touched upon in the classes hmm. and we and we were proud to put that on youtube to all our students openly so that you know that was uh, and and we got a lot of good reviews for that and people a lot of people were able to qualify from our thing hmm. then we got to continuous engagement like you know giving them nuggets of uh, information around Daily current affairs. I mean, one of the things that when you do work for a civil services examination, you need to be in touch with the daily current affairs, etc. Right. When you go into other exams, there are other things that you get to know about. So we launched all those things, and these are done daily basis. So every day, <clears throat> we have a newsletter which goes to all our students, which talks mm-hmm. covers latest that is happening around the test, around the, the ways of preparing or the content for the students, right? Around. Um, basically around the current affairs as i would call it it's also around of new techniques and tools that they want to use it and all of this subsequently started falling in place then the tech came in and then tech acted the tech started acting as a catalyst mm-hmm. right it could help us reach out to more number of people then we started doing marketing but we did more of product marketing right we never did brand marketing as a whole we have not spent much money on brand marketing but mm-hmm. we have we have showcased our product efficiencies of product marketing which kind of started becoming more and more acceptable as people saw the results i think seeing is believing right and they started referring us to many people and that referral itself was a big success for us and slowly steadily over the last 18 months we started to we have about 300000 subscribers to us every month about about half a million little less than half a million people visit our web- website mm-hmm. we have about 300000 subscribers we have about 15000 paid students already on our platform in last 18 months amazing yeah so all of this are obviously revenue etc market share is our end result of all of this mm-hmm. i think this is possible for uh, educamy i mean they, you were able to achieve it because you actually put in a lot of effort in getting the results because i think the results led to this yes. word of mouth and the batches and people got interested because you were providing what every parent was looking for or probably because now it's k12 so every individualistic uh, aspirations they probably thought would be possible because educamy is there to support them yes one was results two was also sharpness of the pedagogy right. three was also leveraging tech to kind of contextualize right true the information right how do we contextualize and personalize the information our tech tools around how do we kind of do a very effective evaluation mm-hmm. and obviously our, our marketing engine started working but more working around more on the product itself not the brand mm-hmm. brand we understand it will come but we want to get the product in place first the product market fit as we call it mm-hmm. and reaching out to the right channels very true so uh, like you know educamy is like entire two tier three cities right where you're preparing students for yeah. these competitive exams so yeah. was there any conscious decision behind it to uh, target uh, tier two tier three cities or it just happened no 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 it was a conscious decision because we realized that uh, you know 
in the test prep we decided to move into the government test prep right mm-hmm. and in within government test prep we decided to go to upsc for example right mm-hmm. uh, we realized few things this uh, ambition of being uh, employed by the government or a senior government officer is largely there in very small towns Mm-hmm. people used to spend a lot of money and i would say infrastructure cost in relocating to larger cities in terms of preparing uh, in terms of preparing and that too they get that too they get a standard recipe and uh, that too they get a content which is being thrown at them which is mm-hmm. not curated so and this was also preceded by the fact that before we started we kind of met a lot of people who we were preparing i mean before covid we met few people physically after covid we did meet lot of people through you know the, through video calls etc we understood the journey and people you come from why tier 2 tier 3 they come from tier 4 tier 5 cities where you don't have any proper roads and electricity as well i mean they do have right no proper infrastructure bhi nahi hai wahan pe and and when you see these people uh, coming and talking about the problems sir i have spent one and a half lakhs but this is what i get this if i would have got this this would have been much better and mm-hmm. i'm willing to stop spending one and a half lakhs i could have spent one lakh 70000 more premium therefore our pricing is not low our pricing is not premium either we are higher than many of most of the tech platforms that we have we are higher than most of them mm-hmm. all of them in fact but little lower than the physical centers mm-hmm. so we realize them and you know and what happens also is that when when someone qualifies for a upsc civil services examination please understand the impact it makes to the society for the child true at least at least multiple generations are taken care of in the sense that one is officer from a small village in the country right mm. basically he has come into the mainstream and this is what we believe 85 in fact if you look at our data about 85% of our people uh who are registered with us are actually coming from small towns or small town people who would have migrated to bigger towns and they follow us uh, so it's a very very conscious decision and it's a it's a part of our uh, plan to also reach out to them because that's where we have the mass market it is very important like i'm pretty sure you would have done your research and uh with the kind of expertise that each one of you have as a co-founder it would have been easier for you to understand where exactly your target market is and because you have identified that mm. that is also contributing to the success of edukimi because you are actually reaching out to people who are in need of yes. uh, the platform like this yes yes and people do realize that that if if uh, people have st- people are smart in india mm-hmm. they also realize that getting a pedagogy first Uh, kind of a platform versus a general marketing platform they do differentiate they mm-hmm. willing to pay a premium which is what we are getting and we also understand that we need to scale that so we use tech to scale that and we and you know we have the founders three of us we have got you know with two decades experience each of us having in right. all the biggest of multinationals that we have worked for we obviously uh, realize that uh, we can do it we have done that in a previous jobs and this can be easily replicated here as well mm-hmm. one of the things that also stuck us as we were you know kind of uh, in a journey in the last 6 5 6 months apart from the teacher is is the role of mentoring a child 
right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. mentorship is a very important part of the journey what happens is many people see this journey is not easy for a test prep right you have to fight it out very competitive less number of seats so you people do look for mentorship when they right. talk of mentorship it's not it's not only around evaluation of answers but also what right they can do in their journey and people are and the people are paying for that as well and uh, uh, and what happens here is they wanted to be guided continuously right mm-hmm. once every 15 days they talk to our faculty in a one to one session very specific right there mm-hmm. are a lot of and uh, when they talk to us they also get guided on the journey as to okay this is where i am making a mistake i am going too much over there this is where i need to course correct these are my scores in any case we are giving them their scores and evaluation so so i think that's one area which is also kind of helping us helping us to push them for a continuous journey as well so therefore our churn rates are less than 0.5% so once a student comes to educame mm-hmm. less than 0.5% of them leave us that's that's great actually <laughs> because many people just they come they see and they leave yeah yeah churn rates are 30 35% right, right, right what you are telling me is amazing actually and over a large over a fairly large amount of data when i talk about 15000 paid learners and i'm talking of little less than 100 people leaving us is is a fairly large amount of data point but we want to continue this we want to scale this up mm-hmm. we want to make their lives uh, more enriching and this is where we believe that we are making a social impact so coming back to our original thing as to why we got in right it's because we wanted to make a social impact and how we are making it we are making it by engaging with the aspirants making their lives much better than otherwise would have been or they would have got and ensuring that they leave uh, you know they are able to qualify many of them are able to qualify or become better human beings in future and they at least know where they stand true true very true and another way of uh, giving it back to the community i think you you all you are like educame is uh, tied up with uh, sonu suits charity foundation yeah, right yeah. where you are giving out 100% yes, scholarships yes, yes. so if you could just share that with our listeners because that is one of the amazing things i think uh, you have taken up uh, and you know you're giving opportunities for people who probably would be leaders tomorrow and Absolutely. you know you're nurturing them so that's something which i really want you to talk about with our listeners yes so what happened was that you know we believe that not everyone is fortunate enough mm-hmm. but everyone has an ambition to do it so what we did was that for meritorious students and because we have all the diagnostic tools we could figure out who are the serious people based on that we run our scholarship programs very very frequently we give scholarship even up to 100% of meritorious people we give up to 25 50 uh, 75 and few people also 100% who kind of top them and they are and and they have the requisite requirements or documents to prove that they are economically weaker they come from economically weaker section and in that regard when we went into other test prep like uh, staff selection commission we spoke to uh, mr suit and uh, he has his own charity where he has been doing a lot of relentless relentless work for you know for the unfortunate 
and we said that you know we want to tie up with you and uh, you know ensure that uh, people who are uh, let me put it who are not fortunate enough to give them courses uh, or teach them uh, and so that they can become successful officers uh, in future even if they can't afford and we went through that we did that as well so yes that's being a very important part of our uh, things that we do instead of giving discount we give scholarships actually mm-hmm. and i'm pretty sure there would be many uh, deserving yeah. candidates who would have got this opportunity and would have utilized it as yes. well yes and i can't take in names of few people it will not be fair in the yes. forum but this year at least four of them we you know mm-hmm. or three four of them who have actually they did not have means to study and because they come from very poor and they have qualified actually mhm they have qualified wow. this year they come and, from very far remote places and now they would be role models in their uh, yes. respective uh, areas right where youngest you know, children would be more uh, keen on yes. becoming like them so yes, that is and the good thing is they and, and all of them want to come back and they also want to say if we have got a chance we could do True. this through a platform we also want to give a bit in terms of motivating these people as and when you need our services as a fair enough no problems yes and it's it's going to create a ripple effect because when you yes. see somebody from your region who doesn't have those resources and you yourself don't have the resources achieve that uh through their hard work and obviously uh through your collaboration and uh, giving uh, scholarships i'm pretty sure that is like a motivational factor for you know younger generations who are probably right now in fourth and fifth grades and trying to figure out what they want to do and they see that yes i can do it as well because he or she has done it in my village so why not me so absolutely and this is where we actually make a social impact in society true very true very true so i really wanted to talk to you about this because i i found it quite fascinating for this reason only because this is actually giving back to the society yes uh, like you know you are having batches you are obviously people are sub- subscribing to it the students are learning but there are a sector of students who don't have these opportunities just because they don't have the money or they don't have the access and you are collaborating with the foundation by sonu sood and providing those opportunities uh, for this uh, sect of people is like quite amazing actually yes yes beautiful so like you know with this let's get back to edtech industry and uh, with nap coming in you know um, it's it's it has disrupted in some way the way indian education system has to uh, work because now they're putting the emphasis on how to learn because in india initially the concept was like you know you just need to get the numbers once you're giving your uh, uh exams you get higher numbers irrespective of whether you have mugged it up or you have actually understood <laughs> and written or something which nobody would know but at least i can say from my experience in my class i had two uh, you know toppers one was the one who was always mugging it up and like you ask them questions he or she wouldn't be able to you know give the proper answer and the one was who was actually putting in a hell lot of effort so this was something which was very uh, difficult to do and understand but now because the emphasis is going back to how every student needs to learn based on their capability and their learning curve how do you think this is going to change the education system in india okay so to begin with test prep market in india is unregulated and informal mm-hmm. right there is no formal way like you have a degree courses right this is a supplemental education to the degree 
supposed to qualify for exams. Now, NEP will have an indirect impact. I'll tell you how. A lot of reforms are expected because of NEP in formal education space. There's a lot of all education going forward will be assessment led, right? Hmm. And uh, therefore, what the NEP is also talking about is a multiple entry and multiple exit kind of a platform, right? Mm-hmm. And with the provision of credit transfer, etc. And NEP. Now, because of assessment reforms, now let's look at test prep. How it's going to impact because of assessment platforms. The problem of how how to study gets solved, and people instead of mugging up through series of continuous assessments, will start, you know, kind of, you know, the level of education will be very different, like on the western part of the world, right? Mm-hmm. So if you look at NEP and uh, what exactly can happen potentially is that test prep will become a way of life. For any education system in India, mm-hmm. it's someone like us who have kind of started building the platforms, the tech, the assessment things, it's a huge opportunity for us. The gross enrollments will be exponential, right? If you move from STEM to science to let's say humanities, humanities to science, and they don't lose the credit transfer, then they get the credit transfers also. So there'll be multiple pathways, learning pathways that will get created. Which is basically horizontal and vertical. Mm-hmm. Now, so this to us is a big, big opportunity, and which is what once it gets implemented, we should we should get a lot of tailwinds because of that. So no more going forward. Many of the colleges, is, you know, admissions that happens basis marks will slowly transition into assessments. Right. That's what my understanding it is. I'm waiting for much more clarity as it when gets as it goes. Yeah, we we'll never know as and when it starts getting implemented. I guess we will more understand in depth how actual impact it is going to get. But I think it's a welcome change based welcome. on how we are traditionally have designed our education system in India, especially for students. I think because yes, 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 because many many people would uh, benefit from this assessment uh, way of. Uh, or getting themselves assessed because I, I truly believe some people are not good at paper, but their uh, you know their in-depth knowledge is probably much more than anybody can understand. But not everybody can put it out on the paper. Exactly. So I spoke about the different types of learners, right? People True. Who are hackers, people who believe in mugging up. Yeah. <laughs> people who believe in learning through structured learning. People who excel in groups. In fact, we also have a peer-to-peer platform so that people Mm -hmm. get a real-life experience of working and studying, not working, studying in groups, right? Group education becomes very, very important. Mm -hmm. And so our uh, platform for uh, peer-to-peer learning is with a leaderboard. It does exactly the same. It replicates a physical experience into a digital experience. Definitely. So how, how do you see the Indian market uh, coming up, especially for edtech companies for the future, right? Uh, uh, over the period of time, uh, do you see a huge uh, uh, change or a huge uh, opportunities to scale? Because now uh, in recent times, because of digitization and obviously a pandemic has played a role into it because everything went digital when it came to uh, classrooms, schools, colleges, everything. So do you think, uh, you know, 
this will be a new way now of uh, educating a child and uh, uh, taking it forward and uh, giving them new ways to learn rather than going into a traditional system education is a huge market in india and every child parent are very very it's a very serious affair in india hmm edtech penetration right now is only the tip of the iceberg mm mm-hmm. so 127 about yeah i think penetration is roughly about 5.5% overall now pandemic has been a watershed moment this we are likely to see more and more penetration of uh, edtech getting into education right mm-hmm. and uh, what also is likely to happen is three four things basically uh, now the market will the edtech market will move towards maturity as a college mm-hmm. now when i talk of market moving towards maturity the customers become the king or the, the students or the aspirants become the king right mm-hmm. so things like and, and that is also a thrust of nep nep also gives a lot of thrust on vernacular so we see the market moving towards what we call as personalized education right we see gamification coming up in terms of making uh, the learning much much more exciting Mm-hmm. vernacular is coming in a big way because of nep and otherwise otherwise you can't access the market in india the bharat market right a likely hybrid model is going to come up it could be blended education some of it could be offline some of this could be online what can be it is remains to be seen as to what is going to be online and what's going to be, which portion is going to be online which portion is going to be offline maybe mentorship out of four mentorship classes you have in uh, a two mentorship class in a month you might do one face to face and one virtually maybe a real life experience of giving a test could be thing so it's going to be it's going to evolve over the next mm-hmm. few so it's a very exciting time in india for someone who's in tech and someone who's in test prep mm-hmm. test prep market if you look at some of the industry reports is likely to be a 4 billion dollar market by 2025 right now it's over 1.5 million billion dollar mm-hmm. so like it to go about three times at least in the next 2 to 3 years time from now mm-hmm. minimum i we expect it to go beyond that yeah looks like it uh, with the way things are happening and you know uh, especially now i see many people getting interested and starting uh, their edtech uh, companies especially i have seen it during the pandemic so uh, with such a huge market to tap in right and uh, so many competitors around what do you think that you know is something that will help you be there or sustain uh, this particular uh, competition is there something kind of a is it just the quality of the content and the educators that you that the edtech companies need to provide and put stress on to make sure that they survive and don't perish over the period of time just because they couldn't give in or there is something else also they need to work on It definitely pedagogy will be important the pedagogy precision mm-hmm. pedagogy as we call it that's definitely going to be important mm-hmm. i think the second most important thing is understanding the consumer or the aspirant needs and usage right mm-hmm. which way the market is moving towards is it moving towards uh, you know more digitization so and so forth if you are closer to your customers you are likely to you know solve them much much faster 
things like solving the dilemma of what to study and how to study this is this if someone solves which is what we are solving once we solve it it's a very sustainable model right right uh, initially you might spend much more money in acquiring customers and making people aware of it but our long term vision is that it has to be on a more of a automotive automotive see content at this point can be overwhelming Mm-hmm. and can overload students but curation of that content to a particular exams is what builds your moat and sustainability that is a very long term moat one of the moats pedagogy before tech is a second moat using tech as a tool to scale and serve multiple millions of consumers is a third moat building the brand and a very strong organization who of people leaders and people in the team who believe in this thesis and that's we have been very fortunate to have a bunch of good talented people in the team to take it forward i think all of these things are going to be long term moves uh yes this is what we feel is way forward mhm interesting so like you know now we've spoken about edukemi edtech the future of edtech in india and you know how how you are transforming uh the way press uh, test prep uh, goes on so let's get back to you uh, and as a person right mm-hmm. so over like during this journey what do you think you have enjoyed the most by being an entrepreneur okay <laughs> see i think i think never there's never been a dull day yeah. mhm there's never been a dull day you are always faced with challenges while either on the you know on the business side or the tech side or on the pedagogy side so and and lot of things which haven't been solved so far lot more things to be solved and that what mm-hmm. keeps me going on and on our aha moment obviously comes in when our people qualify you know people who are economically weak, coming from economically weaker sections right when, when they qualify and they come and tell you thank you that itself is a big thing that we earn in our life more than the more than what we have earned in the past two decades of our professional careers i think that's that's a very very satisfying moment for us mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, i think uh, i think these are some of the things which keeps us going and keeps us in building a team right? building a team of youngsters you know who yeah. actually, who are also who believe in this vision and uh, who are also wanting to make a difference to each and every consumer or every customer that they interact with now if someone qualifies i mean that's one from the team but for us also if someone qualifies we feel that we have done our part to serve the country and especially if he comes from a underprivileged part of the country and uh, not having access to uh, the right resources and we have done that i think we have done our part for the country we have done our part for the society which potentially we would not been able to do it if we were doing our previous jobs true very true and i i think that the, the thing you are telling me right now is sort of that brought a smile to my face because i <laughs> i don't know why i felt proud that you know that you guys have contributed in this way so 
I can I can assume like me not being a part of it I'm feeling such kind of a you know happiness I mean for you guys it would be at a different level to see something you know materialize right in front of your eyes uh, yes this way that's that's really it's really glad now like you know this entire journey would definitely have its ups and downs because it's it's technology sometimes yeah you know it's not working it's working sometimes you have a vision <laughs> that you know it's supposed to go this way it has to go this way it is ai it is supposed to figure it out but it's not because of a uh, certain coding or some other reason you know there are n number of things that can go wrong so during those times those tough times how do you manage to keep you know your your mindset or as as co-founders how do you manage to keep your mind calm because when you are calm your your team also realizes that you know they have very calm leaders and we will figure it out kind of a uh thing comes in so how do you keep yourself calm during such <laughs> massive uh, breakdown times yeah one we keep on talking among ourselves very often uh-huh. no it's very rare that all three of us get into a jam at the same time mm-hmm. so that's the beauty of having three friends doing it together true that's where we relish our friendship uh, our, our our good moments and someone like me i go and play cricket also to distress myself i go and watch a movie also right i mm-hmm. i kind of shut up for the day and then move on and open the next day with a fresh mind and mm-hmm. sometimes your mind also gets fogged no right so you, need to, you need to decouple some of them some of those things and look at things very simply actually end of the day we start looking at things very very simple there is a learner mm. and you are in the supplemental education he is coming to you because he wants to qualify or improve mm-hmm. his scores and if you solve that problem of what and how to study you 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 have done your job and if you complicate beyond this mm-hmm. <laughs> you, are, you are in trouble true so we try to keep it very simple go back to our basics go back to our roots this is why we started why we came so and so mm, interesting because you know uh, being an entrepreneur do you think it is also important to have a work life balance to keep your sanity as well intact because if you're working 24 by 7 and you know at point at at a certain point of in your life it does take a toll on your body as well because yes. especially nowadays when you see you hear 30 something people having health problems which probably in olden days i would say would be hap- would be happening to somebody who is 60 plus and <laughs> so it's and and most of the time the doctors have come back with the answer of saying it is stress it is work stress you need to you know slow down a little you will achieve what you want to eventually but you need to slow down a little how do you think that's important well that's very important i think uh, good thing is that because we have worked in professional organizations three of us before this we have that knack of you know balance and please understand we are all 20 years so essentially all of us are in um, early to mid 40s right so we also have grown up children and all so sometimes the families are also a good a friendship i think the friendship that goes between three of us is a big source of getting each other coming down i think that's how we operate that's how we work we do a little bit of a balancing act it need not be a sunday to have off by the way you can also have a off one of those mid day of a week if you're not feeling like it so whenever you get stressed out take it off and go and watch a movie go and you know go out for a drink with some of your colleagues so and so forth so we do all of that we kind of balance it out 
but yeah, it's very important to to recharge ourselves. Otherwise, we will not be able to sustain this. That is true. That is true. That's that's quite uh, because the reason I always ask this question to all the entrepreneurs is nowadays people need to have that sense of feeling that we need to slow down a little. Mm. Uh, it's not something that we have to achieve everything overnight. Things mm. will take its own time, but the body's health and our mind health also is something that we need to look at. Mm. So we we kind of pace ourselves a little bit. We kind of don't do. We have to solve world hunger problem in one night. So we pace ourselves. We break things into bigger problems into smaller problems. I think that's what our expertise and previous experience helps us do it. Ah, uh, true. Very true. So, um, lastly, to end this uh, session, the awesome sessions that we have had, and I personally have really enjoyed because I learned a lot about you know because normally ed tech for me was um having online classroom like you know uh, for a first grader or mostly nowadays for me ed tech is something which my daughter keeps telling me like you know i've done this coding and that coding yeah. so it was a quite refreshing change for me to understand that you know educami is into uh, test preparations where you are helping out uh, students to achieve their dreams of uh, uh finally getting into uh, their respective professions based on different competitive exams that we have so there are many budding entrepreneurs who are looking of um, having a breakthrough in the edtech because right now it's a very very big market where people are trying to tap in so what kind of advice would you like to give to those entrepreneurs who are trying to enter this market three things basically you know one you need to be very sure of what you're trying to solve why you want to do it and what is the end result of that right two you can't do anything alone you have to build a team a team at the founding level and a team at the operating level right and three you need to be very very focused on how do i call it milestones one at a time i think if you do three of these things in a very simple way i think uh, you're home you really don't need to boil the ocean that's that's something that you've put very uh, nicely and i'm pretty sure our listeners would be at least people who want to get into no matter edtech or anything i think keeping things simple is one of the things that they really need to uh, keep their focus on because in the end it, if you keep everything together i think it's all going to mess it up so baby steps are Something. Baby steps are important. Right, very true. And on that note, uh, Chandrahas, thank you so much for your time and uh, sharing with us uh, your journey and the journey of Educami and how all three of you have come together uh, to give uh, back to the society as well by uh, giving opportunities for people who are not able to have because of their economic background or because of the uh, geographical areas that they live in. Yes. Yes thank you so much for that and thank you for the opportunity So that's all from me today I hope you enjoyed the interview and had some valuable lessons to take in with you and the stories inspired you and you found it interesting I would be coming with more new stories in the coming week every week every Monday you will get to hear from me from a new entrepreneur their stories about their brands about their insights on employment and few tips and tricks to get into entrepreneurship stay tuned stay safe 
and enjoy your life thank you for staying with us till the end of this episode this is not the end we have more impactful stories to come so stay tuned don't forget to subscribe like and share among your peers thank you